I fucking hate the Michigan Wolverines. Hate everything about the football program. Hate Jim Harbaugh. Hate their coaches. Hate their players. Hate their fans this week as they relate to MSU. I want Michigan State to win this game more than I want air to breathe. Do you understand? I would sell off all the food in my kitchen. That's not that much stuff, but I would do it for Michigan to lose this game. I fucking love this rivalry. Coach D said it best. It's not over. It'll never be over. It's just starting. No matter how many times MSU wins this game, no matter how many times the dogs upset Michigan when their fans are running their fucking mouths, talking about Ohio State, telling us how they don't care about this rivalry, no matter how many times State does it, I always want more and we're here. Fuck Michigan. Let's go. It's the Detroiter. We're back. We're covering sports in the Motor City and the Mitten State. Emphasis on the Mitten State today because it's rivalry week, folks. It's Paul fucking Bunyan. It's Michigan, Michigan State at the big house, under the lights, ABC, national television, Sean McDonough on the call. You remember him, don't you? Whoa, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. Jalen Watts Jackson on the last play of the game. You remember Sean, don't you? Oh, he has his place in the lore and the legend of this rivalry. I cannot wait for 7.30 p.m. Eastern time in Ann Arbor, Michigan to kick off because guess what? This is whether you want to admit it or not, whether you're a Michigan fan, whether you're a Michigan State fan, whether you're a South Carolina fan, whether you don't even know what college football is, it does not matter. This game is one of the most premier games on the college football calendar year in, year out. It doesn't matter what the records are. It doesn't matter what's on the line. It doesn't matter who else is playing that weekend. Halloween, Thanksgiving, September, November, that shit doesn't matter. Michigan, Michigan State, the nation's eyes are upon you. Michigan, Michigan State fans, this means everything. You've got family ties on the line. You have dear, dear friendships on the line. You have coworker relationships on the line. It touches every facet of life in the Mitten State. And again, whether you're willing to admit it or not, this game means everything to everybody involved. That's just the truth. Because as much as Michigan fans want to go out and say, Ohio State's our biggest rival, I'll take 10 wins over or 10 losses over to Michigan State for one win against Ohio, or whatever bullshit they always say, fine. You don't live with Ohio State alumni. You don't sit next to Ohio State fans in class. You don't work in the cubicle over from Ohio State grads. Your mother-in-law isn't a Buckeye fan. Your best friend didn't go to Ohio State. That shit doesn't happen within that rivalry. So, yeah, you hate them because in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, those games were great. Sure, for sure, that's awesome. Ohio State-Michigan, I'm not denying it is an awesome rivalry. It is great when that game comes around every year on Thanksgiving. But you're lying to yourself if you try and take any bit of the venom and the vitriol away from the Battle of Paul Bunyan. It fucking means something that one of my best friends from high school, a handful of my best friends from high school, went to the University of Michigan. 
I went to Michigan State. It means something that I have relatives that are going to shoot me a couple text messages this week talking shit. It means something that I have uncles, aunts, cousins who wear maize and blue like it's ingrained to their fucking skin. And I'm over here donning green and white, singing go green all by my lonesome. It means something that I live in Southern California, 2,400 miles away from Michigan or whatever it is, something like that. Don't quote me. I'm not a logistics guy, nor am I Fernando Magellan or, or Ferdinand Magellan. I am not an astronomer. I am not a geographer, even though he's definitely not an astronomer. You get the gist of what I'm trying to say. I live 2,400 miles away from where this football game will be played, and I still see Michigan license plates. I'm on a boat a couple weekends ago, and a guy sails by wearing a block M on his hat, and my friends and I, Spartan alumni, give him a go green, and he turns with a big shit-eating grin, and he gives us a go blue. That's what it means. That's what it's about. That doesn't happen with Michigan and Ohio State. Maybe it does. I haven't seen it. I guess I'm falling to the uh, Mandela effect a little bit where I went to state. I'm involved in this rivalry, so I notice it more perhaps. But it means something. I see people on the road with University of Michigan license plates, and I pull up, red light, and I just – so we're just giving each other, look, there's a tension in the air. Thousands of miles away, this game means something. And in-state, day-to-day life, you rub shoulders, you hang out with, you live with, you go to holidays with people on both sides of the rivalry. And it's bragging rights season all year round. You better believe that shit. And don't even get me started on what it means on Twitter, on Instagram. You're taking to TikTok. The internet has only accelerated and thrown gasoline into the fire of not only this rivalry, but every rivalry and every sport times 10. The real life aspect of Michigan, Michigan State is something that whether other rivalries want to admit it or not, whether Michigan fans would be willing to admit it or not, you can't convince me that in day-to-day life, the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry is as noticeable and is as impactful as Michigan-Michigan State. Unless you're a Wolverine fan living in Ohio or you're a Buckeye fan living somewhere in Michigan, you cannot convince me that in every single day life, it exists the way Michigan State, Michigan does. Because yes, those people exist, the Michigan fans in Ohio and vice versa, but they're not near the level of Michigan State fans and Michigan fans in the state of Michigan, in the same family, in the same friend group, in the same company, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's just not the same. The level it permeates is not the same as this rivalry in this state. And we have come to my favorite college football weekend of the year. I think probably a lot of people's favorite college football weekends of the year. I think there's probably a good portion of Michigan fans who as much as they hate Ohio State, and that game was great last year. They got their first win in 30 years or whatever it was. Awesome. Good for them. I do believe that there's probably a portion of Michigan fans, whether they're willing to admit it or not, I'm sure they wouldn't be, who probably prefer this rivalry for a few reasons. A, it's more back and forth. Yes, again, in my lifetime, or at least – you know, my rooting lifetime since I, my memory started working. I, 2006, I would say is the first time I like remember a sports thing happening, the Maglio home run since then. Yes. It's probably been a little bit more. Eh, 
it's probably been pretty even actually. But then as I got older, middle school, high school, college, it's been a little bit more so in MSU's favor. I do think that back and forth, there's probably some Michigan fans out there who prefer the battle to Paul Bunyan than they do the game. Just because, hey, Michigan wins this game sometimes. Hey, it's more attainable. Hey, they can go into this game with the air of confidence. And as much as we roast Michigan fans for talking shit and always losing, for talking about how there's no possible way MSU wins this game and then losing, as much as they get flamed and that adds and stokes the fire of the rivalry, that's the beauty of the rivalry. That's what makes it so fun is going back on Twitter the next day and just telling thousands of Michigan fans how dumb they are reading all the people who said there's no way Rocky Lombardi can score on this defense. No way as 24 point underdogs does Michigan state have a chance. All we got to do is stop Kenneth Walker and we have Aiden Hutchinson. It's the second best defense in America. How the hell is Michigan state going to beat us as great as that is. And as fun as that is, that's part of the rivalry is Michigan fans running their mouths and Hey, Michigan state fans doing the same. I'm never going to go into this game. Like, yeah, we're fucked. I know there are state fans that do it. We'll address them. It drives me crazy to see. But I'm never going to go into this game going, we're fucked. That's the beauty of the rivalry is the supreme confidence in your team, running your mouth about your team. And as much as it may drive people crazy when it comes to Michigan fans doing it, it's what makes the rivalry beautiful. And that aspect, those Michigan fans being right sometimes, winning this game sometimes, getting to hold the trophy, getting to have bragging rights for a year. I do, I do believe there's a little bit of that where I'm sure some Michigan fans probably prefer this game to the game because before last year, has any Michigan fan ever gone into the Ohio State game like, we're going to win? Honestly, I know Michigan fans are confident this year. Michigan fans were confident last year. Michigan fans were confident the year before that. And even though they lost two of the or two of those games last year in the COVID year, they still had that confidence. They still felt like they could run their mouths. They still had fun with the rivalry leading up to the game. That Ohio State game before you win the one last year has a Michigan fan in the last fifteen. Have you ever gone into the Ohio State game running your mouth? Have you ever gone into the Ohio State game with a genuine feeling like we're going to do it this time? They did it, yes, and that was great. It was a sick game. Michigan won the Big Ten. Congratulations to Michigan fans, all my Michigan friends and followers, yes. But were you going into that week like, all right, we fucking – we got it. We got Ohio State's number this year. This was the year we'll do it. I have complete faith in this Michigan team. Is that where Michigan fans were at? I have a hard time believing it. So for that reason, the fact that the Ohio State rivalry – has been so lopsided for the last 20, 25, whatever it is, years. I do kind of believe that Michigan State, it's like helped out that rivalry. I do believe it's added some intensity to it. And I do believe we know how Michigan State fans feel about the rivalry. That is no secret. But I do believe that that's kind of Michigan fans. I I do believe there's some out there who probably prefer the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry to that Ohio State rivalry for the sole purpose of, hey, it's a little back and forth. Hey, it's a little bit of a rivalry. Hey, I actually feel good going into some of those games. Hey, I actually get to kind of partake in the fun part of the rivalry, talking shit, running my mouth, 
chirping my buddies, sending some funny text messages. Hey, I get to do it. What are you going to do? That Ohio State game leading up to last year's game, what are you going to do if a Michigan fan's like, this is the year? Dude, you haven't you haven't won that game since I was in the fourth grade. Are you are you going to run your mouth going in? You know what I mean? Like, your dad was still playing pickup rec ball on the weekends. Your dad's in a wheelchair now. Right? I don't even, George W. Bush was probably the president. I don't know who it was, but it was that fucking long ago. Like, you're going to run your mouth about that? I, at some point, and take it from me, I'm a Lions fan. Do you know how much I hate the fucking Green Bay Packers? <laughs> Running my mouth about the Packers. Are you joking? You can't run your mouth about anything. Even a team like the Detroit Red Wings, we've been, for the most of my life, the big bad boys on the block, 25 years in the playoffs, a lot of big wins against Chicago. Can't run your mouth against Chicago. We've been garbage for seven years. Imagine being garbage for double that. What are you going to do? Like at one point, is that rivalry fun? Yes. Last year after Michigan wins the game, I'm sure it's the best time ever. It is the best time in the world to be a Michigan fan. Absolutely. But leading up, it's like year over year, you never beat these fucking guys that it's supposed to be the best rivalry in college football and you lose 13 times in a row to them. At some point as a fan, you lose your venom. You lose the will. You lose like, what am I going to do? Talk shit about how we won in 2004? What are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like at some point, it's just like, I hope we win. It's a big game. I hope we win it. I, that's kind of what it becomes. So I do think that's added a little bit to the Michigan State-Michigan rivalry. But man, oh man, I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we're here. And I don't mean to downplay the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry, even though that's kind of what I was doing. I don't mean to downplay it because obviously it is a huge rivalry. But I think, I think what I'm trying to say is human nature. I do think a lot of Michigan fans, and there's the whole – the weird, the weirdest thing about the Michigan State Michigan rivalry, and both sides do it. The whole like superiority, I don't care about you complex. Michigan State fans like to do it all oh, rent free, even though we fucking hate Michigan and want to beat them more than anything else. And Michigan fans love to do it too. We're not even MSU's like not even a rival, even though they fucking hate us and want to beat us more than anything. Like, just admit it, it's a rivalry. Michigan, you hate us, we hate you. We want to win the game. You want to win the game. It's okay to admit. That's why college football is fun. That's the best part of being a fan of these schools is we have meaningful games. Imagine being a Vanderbilt football fan. Is there one game on the schedule for Vanderbilt where their fans get up for it? Do they have a rival? South Carolina. North Carolina, is that the game? Do they have one game? Like there are so many football programs in the country and even in places where it's like football's fucking massive here. I saw someone say Georgia and Florida, Georgia football means a lot. Georgia, Alabama and the sec every year is awesome. Georgia, anytime, if they played Tennessee, it'd be a sick game. If they're going to go play Auburn, it's a cool game. Absolutely. Georgia, Florida though. You're telling me that has the same sting that Michigan, Michigan State does? I don't live in Georgia. I don't live in Florida. I'm not a fan of either of those teams, so I guess I can't say for sure. But as a third party, as someone separated from that rivalry, I have a hard time believing that it's got the same venom. I have a hard time believing it. You saw last year when Michigan State and Michigan get together and the stakes are high, it's everybody's watching that game. I think the most viewed college football games last year, I think it was Michigan, Ohio State, 
Alabama, Georgia, maybe. And then it was Michigan State, Michigan. Like, I think, I think MSU, U of M was like the third highest ranked or third most watched college football game all season long. Like, that's saying something. And that's what proves my point. It's a regular season game. That was week seven or week eight, sometime in October last year, right? And it's the third most watched college football game all season long. Like, we talk about all these brands, Alabama, Texas, Georgia, LSU, USC, Florida. You can go on and on. All these big-time programs where it just means more. Michigan State, Michigan, third most watched game of the entire season. And it is like week seven. It's in the middle of the year. Michigan, Ohio State is going to get a ton of viewers regardless, but that's the last game of the year. The winner goes to the Big Ten. That game is a playoff game. Everything's on the line. Michigan State, Michigan, yes, lots of stakes. Huge game, top 10 matchup, both undefeated. It's the middle of the season, though. You still have like six more games to play after that. Pull in the third largest audience in the entire country all season long? You cannot tell me that this is a regional rivalry. You cannot tell me that people outside of the Midwest don't really care about it because that's bullshit. You're lying to yourself. If there are Alabama fans running around going, it doesn't hold a candle to Alabama-Auburn. Alabama-Auburn is a sick rivalry, and they've got the same thing going. It's why MSU-Michigan, like I said, is so great. They've got the in-state thing. Alabama kids go to high school with Auburn kids. Your brother-in-law, War Eagle, you roll tide. That same element exists. They're big-time programs. When they're both good, that game's insane. It's always good anyway, the Iron Bowl. But And maybe you can say, yeah, it's a bigger rivalry. Okay, fine. I don't want to make that argument. I don't care. My point is, and people, I don't know if they realize it or want to admit it, but Michigan State, Michigan is a game that's right fucking there. And if people pay, pay attention, if you do ever, you marry an MSU grad, right? Or you start hanging out with a Michigan grad or your sibling goes to one of the schools. If there ever comes a point in your life, if you're somebody who's not involved, has no connection to the rivalry, and something happens in your life where you do form an attachment to it in even the most loose way, you will feel the intensity. I've got friends from San Diego, from Los Angeles, from Chicago, Illinois, a little closer to the action, but the West Coast people, they didn't give a fuck about Michigan before they came to Michigan State. They didn't give a shit what Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines did before they went to Michigan State. They go to MSU for four years. They fucking hate, hate the Michigan Wolverines. Before they stepped foot in East Lansing, they didn't give two shits about Michigan. They didn't care about Paul Bunyan. They don't go a day without thinking about it now. You've got friends from the East Coast who go to U of M. They didn't give a fuck about Michigan State when they lived in Boston. I know Portnoy. He always says it. People don't understand how big this rivalry is unless they're actually in it. And that's, I think, why I love it. That's, I think, why I fucking love it. Because it is massive. It's somehow, it is massive. And people do care about it. And people do know about it. And it is national. If you're if you're the third most watched game in an entire season, people nationally do know and care. That uh, It's an inarguable fact. But with that said, it somehow still is underrated. 
And that's crazy to say, but I do kind of believe that to be true. It is somehow an underrated rivalry, and I can't wait. Obviously, it hits different when it's a game like last year, top 10 teams, both undefeated. It kind of, even though it's the middle of the season, kind of has a little bit of a playoff game feel, like loser leaves town kind of vibe, right? It does suck. MSU's not great this year. It sucks that we already played Ohio State and lost. All of that sucks, but it still isn't going to stop us from having a great game. It still doesn't take anything away from how fucking intense that game in Ann Arbor is going to be. You remember that game last year, how hard everybody was hitting every play? I swear, I've never seen pads pop like that in a college football game. Every single down, someone got lit up, it felt like. I expect nothing less. I don't care that we're three and four. I don't care that Michigan's seven and zero. Talking about Ohio State, looking forward to returning to the college football playoff. I don't give a fuck about that. I expect nothing less on Saturday, October 29th. Every play, someone's head looking to get taken off. I do believe it's going to be one of those games. I do throw out the record books. Throw out, oh, their defense is ranked this. Michigan's offense ranked that. Scotty Hazleton, Jim Harbaugh, JJ. Forget everything you think you know about this game. It's going to be two teams lining up from each other that fucking hate each other, that want nothing more than to win this game. Michigan fans, as much as you want to say, we don't really care. I promise you the guys that strap them up Saturday, JJ McCarthy, Blake Corum, those guys want it fucking badly. I promise you, Jim Harbaugh wants it badly. And on the flip side, Peyton Thorne, Xavier Henderson, Mel Tucker, none of those guys are dwelling on how poorly this season's gone. Nobody's sitting there feeling sorry for themselves that they're three and four. They fucking want it. For this one night, they're 0 and 0. There's one game that matters. They don't give a shit who lines up across from them. It could be the all-Michigan team, the greatest players who have ever donned the maize and blue playing this three and four Michigan State team, and nobody in green and white would have a damn to say about it. Nobody would care because it's Michigan, because this game's different than the others. Statistics, point spreads, none of that shit can dictate exactly what's going to happen in this game. I know Michigan's the heavy favorite. I know. Everyone and their mother project them to win this game. I know they've got a great offensive line. I know Blake Corum is a stud. I know J.J. McCarthy is the prince that was promised, can make every throw on the field, makes plays with his legs. He's got that it factor. I know. Sure, he can't hit a deep ball, but he's damn good. I know Ronnie Bell's back. Didn't get a chance to play in this game last year. I know Michigan's front four seemingly reloaded after losing David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson. I know Michigan's secondary has talent. DJ Turner, Will Johnson. I know they're undefeated. I know they're gunning for Ohio State. I know they're focused on the Big Ten and returning to the CFP. Doesn't matter. I know Michigan State's offensive line isn't good. I know Peyton Thorne has struggled all year long. 
I know Jay Johnson and the play calling hasn't been very good. I know the run game's been horrible, a massive downgrade from last season. I know the defense. Everybody knows the defense. I know what the secondary is. I know what the front four is. I know what the linebackers is. Doesn't fucking matter. It's Michigan State. It's Michigan at the big house under the lights. Halloween weekend. That's why I get out of bed, dude. That's why I ever smile. And you say, go to your happy place. That's it. This weekend. I fucking love it. This is what it's about. Being a Michigan fan. Being a Michigan State fan. This weekend is what it's about. Prime time. Under the lights. Legendary. Programs. Legendary rivalry. Teams that fucking hate each other. This is why it's great to be a Michigan fan. This is why it's great to be a Michigan State fan. And I'll never understand the rent-free, rent-free, rent-free. This game, on either side, this game is why it's awesome being a part of either school. Because you get to play games in the regular season that feel like they mean everything every year. There are a lot of fucking programs out there that don't play one game that feels like this in a season. There are a lot of good football programs out there that don't have one rivalry game that can hold a candle to what this one means to fans of either side. Whether you're a Michigan fan or you're a Michigan State fan, appreciate it. Because this weekend, October 29th, this is why it's special being a Spartan or being a Wolverine. It's the fucking best. So don't give me the, oh, I don't care, dude. We'll trade 10 losses to Michigan State for one win against Ohio. You really? You would do that? Because I don't think you would. I don't think you would. Really? You don't beat them anyway. You would lose 10 times to us for that? Really? We don't even care about Michigan State. They're like barely a rivalry. Really? Really? Because everything, the way Michigan fans act would indicate otherwise. All of the tweets, all of the signs, all of the disrespect, guys like that dummy Braylon Edwards running his mouth constantly. He might be guy number one about we don't care about Michigan State and then just constantly is taking shots at Michigan State. I don't mind when Michigan fans take shot at MSU. That's the beauty of the rivalry. Hey, Michigan, fuck you guys. I hate you. Let's take shots. That's the beauty of the rivalry. But Braylon Edwards, you pinhole dummy. Don't tell me that you don't care. That's disingenuous. Don't make shitty jokes randomly at the expense of Michigan State all the time. Don't make excuses for losing that game every time you do. Don't be the dumbest person on the planet when you talk about them every time you open their mouth and then tell me that you don't care about Michigan State. Admit it. It's okay. I care about Michigan. It's why one of the reasons I love being an MSU fan that we get to take part in something like this. Like, do Auburn and Alabama fans? I'm genuinely curious. Do Auburn and Alabama fans do that? Like, are Alabama fans, do they go around going, dude, I don't even care about Auburn. That'd be a weird thing to do. 
That'd be a weird thing to do. It's a sick part about being an Alabama fan. You're one of the legs in the Iron Bowl. That's so badass. That's so cool. That makes being an Alabama fan 10 times more fun. Wisconsin, great football program. I couldn't tell you who Wisconsin's rivalry is. I couldn't even guess what the biggest game on their schedule is. I know they don't play a game like Michigan State, Michigan. Wisconsin's got a good football program. They're good a lot. They have a lot of fans. They have some legendary moments, legendary players and teams. I couldn't tell you what their rivalry game is. Why do we pretend like we don't care? It's okay. It's okay to care. Caring is cool. Caring about shit is why being alive is fun. I care about sports. I care about hanging out with my friends. I care about ice cream. I care about laughing at funny jokes. I care about trying to make people laugh with funny jokes. I care about a good movie that has me thinking the next day. I care about cool shoes. I care about the weather being not. Dude, caring about shit is great. I, I wake up every day and I'm like, all right, I hope the stuff I care about goes well for me. What do you mean? Oh, oh, we don't even care about Michigan State. It's okay. It's okay. And I'm sure there will be Michigan fans that take this as this guy, bro wants MSU or bro wants Michigan fans to care about MSU so badly. Some stupid 12 year old TikTok comment. I guess I, guess I don't care whether or not Michigan fans, Braylon Edwards of the world say that they care about state because I know you do. Otherwise you wouldn't talk about it constantly. My thing is dude, just be honest with yourself. It's okay. It's okay. The world's become very progressive. Gay people, lesbian people, trans people. We want you to be yourself. Michigan fans, just be yourself. It's okay to care. And the last thing I want to say, this is for MSU fans. The Michigan State fans out there doing the whole, oh, Michigan fans pumping their chest if they beat us. Like, we we didn't even have a good team this year doing that whole routine. Yeah, Michigan will probably beat us because we have a bad team this year. Any Michigan State fans doing that routine, just the dead dog MSU doesn't have a chance, but Michigan shouldn't celebrate because we're not very good this year. If you're a Michigan State fan running around doing that, you are a loser. You are a loser. If you do the dead dog before the game's played, I don't give a fuck if we were 0-7. You better not be running around going, Oh, we're going to lose the Michigan. So like, it doesn't even, who cares? They shouldn't even celebrate. Michigan shouldn't even be happy about that. MSU fans. I don't want to know you if you're doing that. That's, that's fucking embarrassing. If we're 0 and 7, 7 and 0, 3 and 4, if Michigan fans beat us, they absolutely should celebrate. Cause if the shoe was on the other foot and they were 0 and 7, 7 and 0, 3 and 4, I will never let them hear the end of it when MSU wins this game. Why the rivalry is great. Got a long week ahead of us. Strap in, folks. Be nice. Be kind to thy neighbor. <laughs> Have a little bit of respect with the chirps, I guess. Or don't. Who cares? Fuck Michigan. Fuck you. I love you if you're a Michigan fan and you support me. But also, fuck you this week. All right. Quick break. And we'll talk. I guess we'll talk about the Lions. And then a little bit on the Red Wings and the Stones. <laughs> the Lions. <laughs> Dude, can you believe the Detroit Lions? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with us? Uh, not what the hell's wrong with the Lions. You and me. You watching this right now. And me 
talking about this right now. What the fuck is wrong with us? <laughs> What's so twisted in our brains that we're Detroit Lions fans? Mental health. Let's talk about mental health. If you're depressed, if you got shit going on, talk to somebody. Where's the love for Detroit Lions fans? How about us? Where's our free consultation with a therapist? Where's the Detroit Lions television ads going? If you need help, reach out. Where's that? What the fuck is wrong with us that we care about this franchise? Honest to God. What the fuck's wrong with us? It's incredible, dude. We have so much shit wrong in our heads. <laughs> it's unreal. The life of a Detroit Lions fan. They lose to the Cowboys again. Um, the Cowboys are bad. Can we just get that out of the way real quick? The Cowboys aren't good. The Cowboys looked very bad. Like a team where I was sitting there going, how the fuck did these guys win four games? These guys have looked worse than the Lions did in their first four or five or whatever it is. What are we, one and five now? Coming off the bye, just lay an egg of a performance. Not too bad, Dan Campbell. The Cowboys were bad. Dak Prescott, not very impressive. Their run game, not very impressive. Um, didn't even really think, although we only scored six points, their defense was that impressive. We simply gave them the ball every time we had it. Oh, oh, you don't want us to score? All right, well, let's save you the trouble, save you the time. We don't need anybody breathing too hard. Let, here, I'll just put it on the ground for you. Oh, Dallas, you guys, we you don't you're trying to stop us from scoring. All right, Jared, our buddy Jared here, he'll just throw it to uh, one of you guys with the star on your helmet. He'll just throw it to you. Stay put. You don't need to try too hard. I don't want anybody having sore legs after this. I don't. God forbid. God forbid you guys have to stop us three downs and force us to punt. Don't want anybody making any tackles. Our buddy Jared, he's a good guy. He's understanding. He'll just throw it to you. Don't you sweat it. Pathetic. And and every week that goes by, pathetic seems to be the one word to describe this team. I'm a broke, I'm a record player. What the fuck? R broken record? I'm a record player that happens to be broken at this point. They're pathetic. The Cowboys look like shit, dude. Like, I... Fucking Cowboys fans after that game. Yep, a win's a win. You beat the maybe the worst team in the NFL. You looked like shit. Is there one Cowboy fan running around Monday morning going, dude, fuck it. We're back. Dak's back. We're five and two. The NFC beast. Is there one Cowboy fan doing that? Because there shouldn't be. You guys looked like garbage. We were that fucking bad. It wasn't Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown just being unstoppable. It wasn't Kirk Cousins playing pretty well at the end of a game to snatch one. It wasn't Carson Wentz getting a little frisky and making us nervous. It wasn't Geno Smith having the game of his career. It wasn't Bailey Zappi and their offensive line and Bill Belichick being a mastermind. It was, they're like fucking pretty bad. We're just worse. Horrible, horrible, horrible performance from the Detroit Lions. Terrible game plan. Just terrible showing coming out of a bye week. Inexcusable, really. And what's funny enough is all of our problems have hit a complete 180 in the last two games. 
started off this year, man, this team, hey, you know what? Lost a couple shitty games, close ones that maybe we should have won, but this team's pretty fun. We've got some playmakers. Jared Goff looks pretty good. Our offensive line will dominate you. DeAndre Swift is incredible. Amon Ra being Amon Ra. TJ Hawk has had a couple games. We score points. It's fun. Yeah, we give up a lot of points. Sure, our coach doesn't know how to use a timeout. All right, the defense stinks. Okay, we've blown a couple late. Hey, at least they're fun. At least I'm kind of excited to see what we got on a Sunday afternoon. And all of a sudden, we can't pick up a fucking first down. We can't keep the football from laying on the turf. Jared Goff doesn't know a star from a lion. Um, and wouldn't you know it, the defense looks a little bit better. The, the opposing team were forcing a couple punts. All of a sudden, we've got a kicker who will hit a 53-yarder. And it all comes around when it doesn't fucking matter. When the offense can't do shit, we got a guy, Ben Johnson, hollowed be his name. Let's put him up there with the greats of the world, John Madden, Don Shula, Vince Lombardi, Mike Ditka. This guy's a fucking visionary. Can't put up more than six points in the last two weeks. God damn it, that's pathetic. And I know there have been injuries. I know a lot of the playmakers, DeAndre Swift, namely DJ Chark, Jamison Williams hasn't played yet. I get it. I don't fucking care. I don't care. That's the beauty of having a good run game. You shouldn't need the running back to be your best player for the run game to work. You remember that year in fantasy? Who I think it was DeMarco Murray was just an absolute tank with the Cowboys when they had the best offensive line in football. Dude was putting up like 20-plus fantasy points a game. And then I think he went down. He got hurt. And it was Darren McFadden that filled in. And all of a sudden, Darren McFadden is the best running back in fantasy. Like, that's how it should be. Maybe you don't produce quite as much as DeAndre Swift did, Jamal Williams, Craig Reynolds. Maybe it's not quite to that level, but it shouldn't be a stark drop-off. Run the fucking ball. The reason the offense was working those first four games is because we ran the goddamn ball. And it worked. And even though the other team knew we wanted to run it, our offensive line and Ben Johnson was creative enough where it didn't fucking matter that they knew where you were going to run it. We were going to shove it down their throats for five yards anyway. What the hell happened? Jared Goff was playing pretty well. Wasn't really forcing anything. Threw a couple picks, a couple tips. You're going to throw interceptions eventually anyway. We always knew he wasn't Pat Mahomes. Picks are, you know, shit's going to happen. This guy can't do anything all of a sudden. This guy can't move the chains to save his life. He is the least athletic professional athlete of all time. Miguel Cabrera gets roasted a lot. And when people do the baseball players, man, it's crazy that they're pros. Miguel Cabrera is maybe the least athletic pro athlete who's ever lived. Jared fucking golf dude is coming for the throne. This guy, his lack of awareness when an opposing pass rusher is within seven yards of him, shocking. His lack of ability, forget escaping pressure. Forget getting out of the pat or the pocket and making a play. Forget throwing something on the run. Forget making a play with his legs and scampering for five yards and a first down. <laughs> forget all fucking that. That shit's like building a rocket ship for this dude. He can't build a paper airplane. This guy can't even shuffle a foot to his right 
when a pass rush is coming in. This guy can't even take a step forward in the pocket when Micah Parsons is taking the deepest pass rush you've ever seen. This guy can't even move a fucking muscle when an opposing player is within a yard of him trying to tackle him. It's almost like this guy is incapable of moving. Like, I swear to God, there are some paraplegics out there who should fucking hate Jared Goff because he's got legs and they work and he chooses not to use them. That's insulting to people in wheelchairs everywhere. Anybody who's going through some sort of rehab for a lower leg injury and you've got to use crutches, you've got a walking boot, you can't run, you can't do anything, you should be fucking disgusted with Jared Goff. Honest to God. Because this guy's a professional athlete, 6'4", 6'5", world-class type stuff, makes $30 million a year. He has legs. They do work. We've seen it before. And he fucking ignores them. In every possible situation where it couldn't be more obvious. Hey, Jared, remove, move, just do something. Be, do anything that would confirm to a scientist that you are a living organism. Twitch your finger, fucking tap your toe once, anything, bro. He refuses to do it. I swear, I don't know if there's some clause in Jared Goff's contract where it's like, if you take X amount of sacks, you'll get paid. Cause this dude fucking loves making sure when anybody gets near the backfield, he gets sacked. This guy loves to get sacked. He really does. I don't know if Micah Parsons is siphoning off money to the Goff account. I'm not really sure what kind of deal he has with pass rushers everywhere, but God bless him. This guy is an absolute fucking joke athletically. I've never seen someone so unathletic. And I've watched Miguel Cabrera churn out doubles every summer for the last like 12 years of my life. Jared Goff, dude, you have legs, man. You don't get points for getting sacked. It's fucking incredible how bad he is at escaping pressure. Happened a couple times against the Cowboys. It's always been a weakness of his. Um, And I was on the Jared Goff train. I really was. The first four weeks. I mean, how couldn't you be, right? We had the best offense in the NFL. He looked great. He's got three touchdown games, four touchdown games, a couple picks here and there. But for the most part, he's taking care of the football. Hits guys when they're open. The offense is moving along. You can't, when you have the highest scoring offense in the NFL, you just can't complain about the quarterback. That's just something you're not allowed to do. You're not allowed to complain. The last two weeks, Jared Goff has looked fucking atrocious. Now it's like, that's why Sean McVay threw you under the bus. That's why Sean McVay literally would have traded Jared Goff for a chewed up shoelace. That's why Sean... You didn't throw him under a big enough bus, Sean, because God damn it, he's tormenting our Lions now. Like, fuck's sake, Jared. He's been horrid the last two weeks. And that's not to say that's the reason we lost. Everyone's been bad. There's no run game, shockingly, suddenly. Ben Johnson hasn't been good. Dan Campbell hasn't been good. The defense, yeah, they've gotten better. They still gave up, what, 29 to New England? 24 to a bad Cowboys team this week. The defense got better. 24 is a vast improvement. 24? That's a fucking shutout for this team's defense. Are you kidding? You're not going to – 24 isn't some crazy lockdown performance, but it's so much better than what they've done this year. You can't look at the defense and go, this is their fault. That's how fucking bad they are. 
I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the season's washed. Let's go get Bryce Young. I was on the, I think Jared can win you some games train. Let's go get Bryce Young. This dude's not it. This dude's not it. This dude is less mobile than the fucking people burned into stone in the ancient city of Pompeii. This guy has less escape value than they do. Rest their souls. I mean, it's fucking pathetic what Jared Goff does back there. Honest to God, if there's like a wheelchair society of America, you should send a strongly worded letter to him about how insulting it is that he has those legs and just refuses to use them in times of need. It's disgusting, really. I don't know what the, what else there is to say about the Lions, though. I mean, it's disappointing as fuck. I talked about them either last week or two weeks ago where it's like, dude, I know coming into this season, it wasn't like, let's make the playoffs. This team's great. What do you think? You know, what are they going to do? Let's win a bunch of games. We're we're awesome. Let's beat the fucking Packers. Let's beat these guys. I knew that wasn't the case. But, dude. Like, we're going to be the worst again? And that wasn't the expectation before the season started. But they played those first few games, and you have the best offense in the NFL. And you're looking at this team going, well, if the defense just isn't the worst, we'd be like three and one. The defense doesn't even need to be good. They don't even need to be okay. The defense can be pretty fucking bad. We're three and one. Dan Campbell just, I don't know, watches a YouTube video for 12 minutes about how to use timeouts. We're three and one. When you're in that, when you've seen those games, and it is still early enough where, yes, okay, they did lose those games. But it's early enough where you're like, fuck, all right, we're one and two. But we know this team can score. We know it's not that difficult to be a shitty defense. All you have to do is not be the worst. We know we're capable of that. We know that's an attainable attainable feat. Aiden Hutchinson, he finally came alive against the Cowboys. He turns a performance in like that. Like what the defense did this week against the Cowboys If they do that in any of the first four games, we win that game every fucking time, the way the offense was playing. Aiden Hutchinson, if he just shows up the way that offense was playing, it was like, we're going to win those games. A couple key sacks, a couple key quarterback hurries, a couple key disruptions in the backfield from our guy. All right, we're going to win those games. And it's like, as soon as the defense comes around, the offense is nowhere to be fucking seen. And after four games, we're sitting there going, dude, if the defense can just be like 1% better, we would be 4-1, and 3-1. and one. 1%. If they just played shitty instead of the worst, we're a playoff team. It's hard to not adjust your expectations. Despite preseason, nobody was going, let's make the playoffs. Nobody was going, this team should win 10-11 games. Nobody was doing that before the year. But it's tough to not see the potential and see how close and achievable that is. And after the first two, three games kind of go, all right, let's have some expectation. Why not? Cause I don't want to be the fan who does. I don't want to be the fan. That's like, yep, let's be the worst team in the NFL. It's week two. Let's be the worst team in the NFL. Nobody wants to do that. I don't. And here we are the worst fucking team in the NFL. Again, 
We're one and five. Season's a wash. Maybe trade DeAndre Swift. Maybe trade TJ Hawkinson. Look at Bryce Young. Look at Will Anderson. Look at CJ Stroud. We're game planning who we're going to get in the draft. Hopefully the Rams falter. We get a better pick there. Hope Brad Holmes knows his shit. May, I don't know about a coaching change, dude. I, I don't know, man. It's tough. Being the worst team every single year is tough. And even though we were supposed to be bad this year, it's tough. It's just not fun. It, like, takes the life out of you. And there is a debate to be had now. There is a conversation to be had around Dan Campbell. A lot of people after this week going, all right, that might be it, Dan. It might be, let's try something else. A lot of people. And I don't know if that's the right move. I don't, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I don't know if they should fire Dan Campbell right now. I don't know if they should fire him at the end of the year. I don't know if they should extend him for one more. I don't know. I really, I don't know. Because you look around, Brian Dable instantly winning with the Giants. They stink. Their quarterback's Daniel Jones. Robert Saleh instantly winning with the Jets. They may have been the only team that was a bigger joke than us for the last 10, 15 years. I don't, who's their quarter? Joe Flacco in tandem with Zach Wilson. Robert Saleh instantly winning with them. Mike McDaniel instantly winning with the Dolphins. Pete Carroll, Seattle Seahawks. They've won four games. They were supposed to be terrible. Geno Smith's their quarterback. Winning games. You go around the league, and there are coaches who have teams that are supposed to be bad. There are coaches who have teams that have a lack of talent, and they have a lack of talent at crucial positions. They're coaches of teams that were supposed to be gunning for the Bryce Youngs of the world. They've got three wins, four wins, five wins. Not the Detroit Lions. And on the flip side, every time a coach coaches, what is he co what's Dan Campbell been here for? 23 games now, 24 games. If that coach doesn't have a winning record in 24 games, do you just fire him every time? Is that the way to build something successful? I don't know if I agree with that either. He's coached one and a third year in Detroit. It hasn't worked out. He's not winning games. Now, the Cowboys game Sunday, was that on Dan Campbell? Ah, probably not. Jared Goff sucked. The running backs sucked. Everybody sucked on offense. Ben Johnson sucked. Is that on Dan Campbell? I mean, to some degree, yes, he's the head coach. You got to get guys ready to play, and they weren't. Dan Campbell's not the one fumbling it, though. Dan Campbell doesn't play quarterback. I don't know what the answer is. And we will have the debate. I just don't know if this week's the week. We've got Michigan, Michigan State. The Red Wings are kind of cooking. The Pistons just started. They're one and one. There's other stuff. There's more positive, exciting stuff to happen. <laughs> it feels like it feels like the NFL season has been 30 weeks long already, and we're still in what, week eight, week seven? feels like the Lions, this thing has gone on for fucking ages. Another year, we're still in October and the Lions are done. It is what it is. There'll be plenty of time to talk about Dan Campbell in the future, 
time just isn't right now. Not this week. Maybe next, not this. Quick break. Um, I want to spend a little bit of time on the Red Wings. I don't know if I'll talk Pistons. They got smoked by the Knicks over the weekend. We talked about them after the winner or the opener when they won against Orlando, but I don't know. I mean, the Pistons don't have much to say after that Knicks game. It was a fucking joke. They got absolutely rocked, played no defense, got embarrassed by a Knicks team who it's like, maybe they'll make the playoffs. Like they're okay, I guess. That's not good, dude. The Knicks are nothing fucking special. Got rocked by those guys. I'm not out here pumping the Pistons tires. I do want to talk about the Wings for a little bit. They're off to a 3-0-2 start. The only fucking hope in this city. So let's, you know, maybe 5-10 minutes. Quick break. Thank God for Steve Eiserman, dude. Thank God for Steve Eiserman. If that guy didn't up and say, you know what? I'm done with Tampa. I want to go home. I want to win another one for the original six Detroit Red Wings, a city I grew up in, the city I built my career in. I want to win with the winged wheel. If he didn't say that, how, what was it? April of 2017, I'd be swinging from the ambassador bridge right now. I mean, what would we do without the Detroit Red Wings? The only fucking team in this city who seems to have a remote clue of how a rebuild's built, how a rebuild goes, what that is actually supposed to look like. Thank God for Steve Eiserman because the Lions are going backwards. The Tigers, the Tigers has rebuilt for seven years, staring down the barrel of another one somehow. I, I really don't know how you do that, but they are. Fucking impressive stuff from the Detroit Tigers. And the Pistons, worst team in the NBA, got Kata Cunningham. Worst team in the NBA again. Got Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, and it's looking like they might be the worst team in the NBA again. I don't get that either. The rebuild seems like it's going well for the Pistons, but we're going to be the worst team again? I don't really get that. The only team where it's like clear-cut sign of this thing is moving in the right direction. The team is getting better year after year. The team has better players. The team just looks better when they play. The team's record, the numbers are better. There's more excitement around them. The talent is higher. People who have won before are more and more around the team with some of these veterans we've brought in. The only fucking franchise in Detroit, and it leave it to the Red Wings, of course. They've been the epitome of success my entire life. They have the legendary players, the legendary runs, the winningest franchise in the NHL in America. Leave it to the Detroit fucking Red Wings. Thank God for them, dude. They've got the young guys. Mo Sider, Lucas Raymond, Valeno scoring a goal the other day. Dylan Larkin, who's somehow a young guy and a veteran as the captain. They've got more coming. Edvinson, Berggren, Valinder, Marco Casper. They've got the veterans. David Perron, Ben Sherratt, Dominic Kubalik has been lights out. They've got the goaltending. Ned as the young guy who's so more of a veteran. They've got the new coach, Derek Lalonde, who seems to be doing a pretty fucking good job so far. Can't argue that. The dude hasn't lost a game in regulation through five. They have the brand. Finally, somebody seems to know what they're doing. God damn it. 
I mean, is it that hard, dude? Honestly, is it that hard? And it's not like this Red Wings rebuild is some crazy anomaly. The last time they were in the playoffs was my freshman year of college, 2015. So it's been seven years. It's not like this rebuild started three years ago and miraculously here the Red Wings are. It's not like that happened at all. It felt, it or it has felt, like Steve Eiserman has hit on a lot of draft picks. It has felt like Steve Eiserman has been the beneficiary of pretty much every move he's made, whether it's a trade or a free agent signing. It's felt like this rebuild has gone pretty according to plan, pretty swimmingly. And it still took seven years to get to a point where it's like, maybe we'll make the playoffs this year. That's fucking bananas, dude. Seven years and we're not, it's not even, oh, we're back. We're making the playoffs. This team might win a series or two as well. It's seven years and like, all right, maybe we'll make it this year. It'll at least be kind of a fun year. It'll be close. It'll be interesting to watch. Seven years. Like Steve Eiserman didn't lead some generational, never before seen rebuild. And there's not another team in this city that can even come close to doing it as successfully as he's done it. That's mind boggling. That's fucking embarrassing. Thank God for you, Steve Eiserman. I love you. I love the Detroit Red Wings. Thank God for them. Thank God for Dylan Larkin. Thank God for Mo Sider, Lucas Raymond, David Perron, Dominic Kubalik, everybody. Thank God that they exist. Thank God that there's one franchise in Detroit that has a fucking clue of what it means to be successful. Thank God. It really is embarrassing how pathetic. Seven years since any of these teams have sniffed the play. Oh, the Pistons made it. Oh, dude, they got massacred by LeBron and then massacred by Giannis. Great. That set them back further. That falls into the category of they don't know what they're doing. Oh, but they made, dude. That didn't help. Oh, they traded for Blake Griffin and made the playoffs that one time. Oh, when Giannis put his nuts on their forehead and it set the rebuild back even further? Oh, okay. Cool. Tigers haven't been remotely relevant since 14. I'm not sure the Detroit Lions have ever been relevant. Barry Sanders, maybe? 2014 with Stafford and Calvin Johnson? Like, I... Seven fucking years. It has been a treat, though. I will say that. It has been a treat to be able to watch the Detroit Red Wings this year. Um, these free agent signings that Steve Eiserman made, it's like incredible how fucking good that guy is at his job. Every single one of them has a point. Olimata, David Perron, Sherratt, Kubalik, Sunquist. Uh, I don't know if Huso has a point. The goaltender, he may be the one without. But every single one of his free agent signings has contributed in a pretty big way. David Perron seemingly has kind of bolstered that power play from the left side. Sunquist, just all these guys, the thing that's great about the Red Wings and the thing that's been so great about these signings, nobody yet, Sider, I guess you could say, has kind of turned into a star or looks like he will. Lucas Raymond off to a slow start. I don't think he's scored just yet, but he's going to be a great player. He's also 
Like when Dylan Larkin scores, he's playing with Lucas Raymond. Like when these other guys on the top two lines and on the power play do good things. Hockey's a great game where it's you're kind of a byproduct. There are special guys, McDavid, McKinnon, McCarr, Dylan Larkin, I think at times, as far as the Red Wings go, there are special guys that can just do things on their own. But to an extent, everybody outside of maybe a few, Matthews, everybody outside of a few, at some level, you're a byproduct of your environment. Yeah, maybe Lucas Raymond hasn't lit up the score sheet just yet. All these other guys doing the scoring, though, to some level, they're byproduct. They get to play with Lucas Raymond. That helps. That makes you a better player. Just It just does. So although he hasn't, you know, he hasn't ter- torn it up just yet, he's still he's still contributing to the Red Wings winning games. I, these guys are three zero and two through five. It's their best start I was written since like twenty fourteen or something twenty twelve. I can't remember the exact year, but since the Red Wings were good, since the days of making the playoffs every year, Henrik Zetterberg, Pavel Datsuk. Since then, it's the first time we've started out this well. It's fucking refreshing, bro, and it's a long season. And the Wings haven't played anybody good. But I'll tell you what. For it being five games in, we've suffered some injuries. We've kind of gotten beat up. Verona's done for with whatever's wrong with him. Bertuzzi with the broken hand. Haven't even seen Fabry. We've suffered some injuries. Larkin left the game for a little bit against Chicago on Friday. We've suffered some injuries. But here we are. We're 3-0-2. Eight points. Haven't lost in regulation. Boys, pathetic collapse against Chicago Friday, and they back it up with a performance Sunday where they really tighten it up. They really tighten it up against a bad devil. Was it the Devils they played Sunday? Against It was someone bad. Uh, Anaheim. Against a bad, winless, I believe, Anaheim team. They've got the Devils tonight. But the Red Wings, it's nice to see them kind of figure it out. It is. It feels good. It feels good. And that's how pathetic it is. It's uh, We haven't seen – they haven't lived up to the expectation of 82. It's nice to see that for five fucking games – what is that of a hockey season? Less than 10% for like 8%, 7% of the season. It's nice to see that they've kind of lived up to what we had hoped. Honestly, even lived beyond what we had hoped. That's nice to see. It's been dog water teams, but my God, dude. My God. Thank you, Detroit. Thank you, Red Wings, for beating the teams you're supposed to beat. I'm not asking this team to go out and dominate Tampa Bay. I'm not asking this team to go out and smash the Maple Leafs. I'm not asking them to go out and dummy Florida. Just beat the teams you're supposed to. Get points in the games. Kings, you probably shouldn't lose that game. All right, you snuck out a point. Chicago, you probably shouldn't lose that game. Okay, at least, you know what? They snuck out a point. Still a terrible collapse. Pretty inexcusable against a Blackhawks team who's fucking terrible. All right, they snuck out a point. Could be worse. Red Wings teams of previous years, they don't get anything for that game. At least one team is doing something. Because you can't tell me, hey, they're they're doing all I wanted them to. They're outside of a playoff spot right now. Or they're tied, I guess, with the Sabres. At least they're hanging around. At least they're making it interesting. That's all you can fucking ask. 
and they've got their first real test on Thursday. They've got the Boston Bruins, and we'll see. That's on the road in Boston. Boston has been fucking cooking to start this year. I don't even know. Has Boston lost? That's their first real test. Yeah, Boston 5-1. and one. That's the first real test, so we'll see. We'll see on Thursday what this team's really about. You got a good fucking Bruins team, an institution in the Bruins, the perfection line. They've got Krejci back all of a sudden. Pasta, Bergeron. Is Krejci the third on the perfection line? Oh, no, Marchand. The Bruins, we'll see what you got against Boston. We'll see how good the Red Wings are. Play a real team on the road. We'll see. But for right now, they're winning games that they're supposed to win. They're in a spot that, hey, I think you tell us before the season, you're not going to lose in regulation in your first five. I think most Red Wings would be pretty fucking happy with that. So there's really nothing to complain about right now. And thank God, Dominic Kubalik, what a revelation he's been. Cannot believe Chicago just gave him away for free. Idiots. Sherratt's been good, bringing a little bit of an edge that the Red Wings have always kind of missed, certainly in the years of being absolute cheeks. Recently, we've missed that edge. Sherratt kind of brings that. Sunquist, big body in front. Elmer Soderblom has been pretty good. The Redwood line has been active. Rasmussen's been way better. Dylan Larkin being Dylan Larkin. It's been refreshing. It's just, it, it's it's nice to see one thing work. One rebuild, one team go the way you think it's supposed to go after all the failure you've had. Because we've had an idea of how the Lions season was going to go. We definitely had an idea of what this Tiger season would be like. We had an idea, I think, or we have an idea of what this Piston season is going to be. It's nice to see one team kind of, all right, this is going how we had hoped it would go so far. It, it, you really don't learn how low your standards are until you get to a place like this. You really don't get, learn how low your standards are until you're going, I'm just happy this team's competitive. You know how fucking pathetic that is? I'm just happy we're in it most nights. Damn, dude. You must be fucked. You, they, These guys must have been bad for a while. You're just happy you were in it? You must root for a bad, bad team. Just refreshing. Free agent signings that come in and make an impact positively. Javi Baez, Austin Meadows, Eduardo Rodriguez, just guys that did nothing for the Tigers. Nothing for the Tigers. Nice to see them do that. Nice to see some of these guys come in. Iserman, yeah, you made the team better, Steve. Thanks for doing your job. Because there's three other general managers in Detroit who, I'm, I don't know. I think they, I don't, I'm not sure. Alavila definitely didn't. Brad Holmes, I, I don't know. Not really sure. I thought he did, but I don't. Troy Weaver, it feels like he does, but then, like, we're going to be the worst team in the NBA again for the third time? Like, I don't. It's nice to see one guy do his job. It's nice to have one team. And I'll tell you what, if this Red Wings team sneaks into the playoffs, Detroit is going to rally around them like nothing you've ever seen. It's going to be a fucking party. 
for the Red Wings if they make the playoffs somehow. It's going to be nuts. Seven years since the city's seen a playoff team, and it's the Red Wings. We're hockey town. It's the team. I think, you know, we're a, you could say we're a football city, baseball city. We're a bad, we're an all city. We're a great sports city. We just want one. But of course, it's the Red Wings. We are going to rally around these guys. The Phillies in Philadelphia, you've seen the crowds they draw. You've seen the support around them lately. It's going to be that on steroids if the Red Wings sneak in. I'll tell you that right now. That's a promise. I just hope they can keep it going. It's been fun so far. I love watching them play. I love the Red Wings. I love Steve Eiserman. I love having one team that I'm like, all right, they'll bring me some joy. I can, okay, I can kind of count on them. Let's do it. Just fucking one, which was one. It's nice. It's a good feeling. So, all right, that's all I got. That's all I got. That's all I got. That's all I got. Appreciate, appreciate everybody listening. Dude, my nose is itching out of control. Oh, also, also, Red Wings. The second string.com Wednesday, I'm putting out the design for this season. It's sick. It's an homage to the past. We've got a little bit of a present mixed in hockey town. It's fucking beautiful. If you're a Red Wings fan, it'll be a must own uh, just flat out. It's going to be easily the best Red Wings thing I've ever done. Um, again, I say this every time, but I, I genuinely, it's crazy. Like I think I'm just getting better at designing. Cause I say this every time. I think it's the best design I've ever done. I just, I think I'm just getting better, which is awesome. So must own if you're a Red Wings fan, it'll be live Wednesday. I'll probably keep it up until Friday, maybe Saturday, and then take it down. Red Wings fans, the second string.com, keep your eyes peeled because you will not want to miss it. I promise you. That's all I got today, though. Appreciate everybody listening, the support, everyone who shares, the comments, all that good stuff. And I will see you on Thursday.